When morning came, all the chief priests and the elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. And they bound him and led him away and delivered him over to Pilate, the governor. Now Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus said, You have said so. But, but when he was accused by the chief priests and elders, he gave no answer. Then Pilate said to him, Do you hear how many things they testify against you? But he gave him no answer, not even, one, not to, not even to a single charge, so that the governor was greatly amazed. So when Pilate saw that he was gaining nothing, but rather that a riot was beginning, he took water and washed his hands before the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. And all the people answered, his blood be on us and on our children. Then he released, then he released for them Barnabas and having scourged Jesus, delivered him to be crucified. And the soldiers led him away inside the palace, that is the governor's headquarters. And they called together the whole battalion and they clothed him in a purple cloak and twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on him. And they began to salute him, hail King of the Jews. And they were striking his head with a reed and spitting on him and kneeling down in homage to him. When they had mocked him, they stripped him of the purple cloak and put his clothes on him, and they led him out to crucify him. So they took Jesus and went out, bearing his own cross to the place called the Place of the Skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with him two others, one on either side, and Jesus between them. Pilate also wrote an inscription and put it on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. And when the sixth hour had come, sorry, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lima sabachthani? which means my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, behold, he is calling Elijah. And someone ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink saying, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to take him down. And Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood facing him saw that this way, in this way he breathed his last, he said, truly, this man was the son of God. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. 
This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Good morning, everybody. As you've noticed, we've changed things up a bit. Uh, we are in our series, Journey to Easter, to the Resurrection, um, Ain't No Grave. If you weren't with us last week, Derek uh, talked about uh, Thursday. Thursday was the day before Jesus' death. Uh, we were just reading about his journey on that day, the Friday. But uh, last week, Derek said some stuff that was uh, just really profound. And one, there's something I want to point out in a minute that he said only in the second service, but it was so, uh, I mean, it just, it landed on me, and I, I think it needs to be said again. But uh, he talked about Thursday being the night that Jesus instituted what we call communion, the bread and the wine. And Jesus literally says they were, you know, they were, they were doing a Passover meal, and several different cups would be raised and after the meal, a cup would be raised. It would be known as the cup of redemption. And that's the cup that Jesus raises up and says, here, here's the cup. Whenever you do this, whenever you eat this bread, do this uh, in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of me. And he also washed his disciples' feet. And uh, this is something I thought Derek said uh, that needed to be repeated. He read in John 13, Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet for their whole body is clean. And Derek was saying, you know, it's like that's a picture of salvation and what God is doing, the sanctifying work of the Christian. Like it was as Jesus saying, hey, I'm the only one that can clean your whole self. But as you walk this journey through life, you're going to need your feet washed from time to time. And I just thought, I thought it was, it was brilliant. And so he was talking about Thursday. Obviously, we're gonna, today we're going to be talking about the Friday of the cross, um, but before I do that, I have to give you guys some sad news. Uh, we, the OCC family, have lost one of our own, Chips Harmon, um, and that is our lead pastor, Derek's dad. Um, it's hard, you know. They're, uh, of course, I gotta get up here and talk and not cry, but uh, I, I just wanna say to all of you that know them and love them, uh, have them in your thoughts and in your prayers uh, this week. They need it. Uh, they're, starting the, uh, they're starting the journey of mourning. And uh, when I thought about this morning, and I wanted, to, I wanted to let you guys know about what Derek and his family is going through, and I thought about the mourning, that they're, they're beginning the, the journey of mourning and how terrible it, it is and how wrong it feels, right? And Seth said it in pre-service prayer, it feels wrong when we lose someone that we love because instinctively in the, at the, in the soul, we know this is not right. Like this is not the way it's supposed to be. And I think that's why it hurts so bad. Um, but Friday, Good Friday as, as it's traditionally been celebrated uh, in Christianity was also a day of mourning a day of great, great mourning. Uh, you see the disciples mourning as Jesus was crucified. You see Jesus' own mother and the other women mourning as they, they were able to get very near to the cross, if you read the rest of the story, as she watched her son uh, hang on that tree. She was, so, she was close enough that Jesus could speak to her and told one of his friends, take care of my mom, as he's bleeding and dying and hanging there on the cross. You see the other people that had followed and seen the work of Jesus over three years, watching this whole thing. There's thousands of people that had put their faith in Jesus, and they watched the horror of his death. I mean, these people literally saw this guy walk on water. You know, they, they watched him feed 5,000 people. They watched him as he put mud on the eyes of the blind. 
and then they could see. He watched them, they watched him heal bodies and restore hearts. And there he is. There he is. He's on the cross. What were they thinking? I know what they were thinking. They're thinking we're losing the one that we love. We love him. He's going to be gone. And is that not what mourning feels like? You know, uh, there's nothing like the day that you lose the one that you love or someone that you love deeply, like your, your dad or your mom or someone close to you. There's nothing in the human experience like it, is there? Like the feeling of that loss, that mourning. The human experience is rife with mourning and grief. And oftentimes, when we stay in it too long, we will begin to ask, just like Jesus said on the cross, God, where are you? Have you forgotten my pain? Have you forgotten what I'm dealing with? You know, and I think on Good Friday, we focus on the fact that Jesus did die for my sins. This is true. Uh, Jesus came and he died for my sins so that I could be saved. And these are all truths that we should reflect on. But I think how often, and this is what and I won't be talking long because I really wanna make sure we give all the time to Jesus that we can in worship because he deserves it on a day like this when we talk about his, his cross that he, that he bore. But how often and how quickly do we move past how much Jesus suffered? And how God the Father mourned the death of his own son, very God of very God. Jesus said it like this, John 15, 9. This is awesome. As the Father has, what, loved me, so I have loved you. And then God himself says it in Mark chapter 9, as Jesus is being baptized, he, his own cousin John baptizes him. He comes out, the spirit comes down like a dove. And the Bible says that there was a cloud enveloped the whole place. And you literally heard the audible words of the king of the universe, and he says this, then a cloud appeared and covered them, and a voice came from the cloud. This is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. I love him. I love him. God, it's so hard to fathom what that love is like, the love of God, the love between Jesus and the Father, and that Jesus is wanting to bestow this love of God in and around the human life or as Paul talks about in Ephesians, how, how long and how wide and how deep is the love of Christ in God? How income, it's just, it's beyond our ability to comprehend, isn't it? But like I said, we, we've moved past the suffering. How incomprehensible was the suffering of Christ, right? The death that he took was not just a physical one. If you've never read the full story, Jesus, the night before, you know, on Thursday night, he goes into the garden, the garden, the garden of sorrows, and there he wrestles with this cup, the cup of wrath. See, Jesus gave us his cup. He was sinless. He was pure. He was holy. And that night before he gives us, he said, here, you take my cup. This is the cup of holiness. This is the cup of forgiveness. This is the cup of redemption, and I'm going I'm to take your cup. Give me your cup, the cup of wrath, the cup of God's punishment for all who have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. He trades places. It gives me the, 
his cup. He takes my place on the cross. He takes your place on the cross. I want us to reflect and not forget that the heart of God the Father was grieved as Jesus was nailed into that wood, as the cup was poured onto him, the wrath of God. He grieved so much that the Bible says that he turned the sky dark and that he shook the earth with a great earthquake, split open the earth as he grieved. See, this part is really amazing. You can see all three of the Godhead in this moment in history. You see Jesus, the Son of God, laying down his life. You see the Father grieving as he's shaking the earth, as he watches the wrath being poured out on his Son. And you can hear and see from the cross the Holy Spirit speaking the truth about what was taking place. We read it um, uh, just a few minutes ago. But there was actually a prophecy uh, in Psalm 22. It's very famous. It literally depicts crucifixion almost a thousand years before it was ever invented. Let's read a little bit of it. Psalm 22, one through three. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, and I am silent, yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. And it goes on in great detail to describe exactly what Jesus went through. It talks about all of his bones being out of joint. So when they'd hang you on the cross over time, either they would try to break your legs so that you, it's a suffocation death. I mean, people, people have been around this kind of stuff, know a little bit about it, but it talks about his bones being out of his joint, his mouth being dry. Remember, he, he says his mouth is, uh, they divided his clothes, they gambled over his, his clothing. It's all in there. It's crazy. So why am I bringing that up? Revelation 19 says that the test, now this is, this is good. The, re, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Let me say that again. The testimony of Jesus, Jesus's testimony is the spirit of prophecy. And so that was a prophecy that Jesus, the Holy Spirit was saying from the cross. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? The spirit of God is declaring like he always has from the beginning. Let this land on you. What he was always going to do with this mourning, with this pain, with this grief, with this sin that we all struggle with. Yes, he was going to take the sin. He was going to take the evil and put it on his back that we deserve, the pain, the punishment. But he was also going to deal with this grief and this pain. The spirit of prophecy. Look at this. This is what I mean. And you tell me what you think. Isaiah 25, 7 through 9, verse 7. And he will destroy on this Mountain, what mountain? And read it, Golgotha, where those three, that small mountain where those three crosses hung. On this mountain, he will, he will destroy the sur surface of the covering cast over all the people, the veil that is spread over the nations, and he will swallow up death forever. Do you hear it now? The Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. The rebuke, the punishment, from his people, he will take away from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. And it will be said in that day, behold, this is our God, and we waited for him. We waited for him, and he will save us. This is the Lord. Does that not sound like the Roman soldier's uh, response when he sees Jesus, when he sees the end, when he sees the, 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 uh, the sky turn dark? This surely is the Lord. We have waited for him, and we will be glad and rejoice in his salvation. Prophecy in Revelation 21.4, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. 
There will be no more death or no mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. And I love this part. For he who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. I'm making it all new. And we say that a lot up here. Derek says it a lot. Uh, a lot of our, our elders, we talk about the newness, the, re- the regeneration that Christ brings, but he's gonna make it all new. This is the testimony of Jesus, that he's gonna come and he's gonna wipe away the tears, that there's not gonna be any more mourning, that he is going to end death. The thing that we instinctively know that this just cannot be, this shouldn't be right. This is not the way it's supposed to go. He's gonna end it. Just as he tore the veil in the temple, you know, Sarah read how the, te- the temple, t- the curtain was torn in two. It's very important that they say that it was completely written. It was unrepairable. This was potentially a six inch thick curtain. It was very heavy. It was purple in color. Remember they wrapped Jesus with purple because it signified his, king, his kingness, his royalty. And in in a lot of Hebrew uh, tradition is taught that the, the story of creation was weaved into that, uh, into that curtain, but God, and what, it, what was its purpose? It separated us, those that have sinned and fallen short from the presence, the holiness, the dwelling place of God. And when that, when that, in that moment when Jesus was getting, spoke his last breaths and, and gave up his spirit, God shook the earth and ripped that curtain in two. And it signifies more than just the, the outward, it's also a picture of our hearts that God himself would remove the veil around the eyes of our hearts. He would remove the veil from all faces and we will see again the way we're supposed to see. He will make us new or as Job, I don't know if you guys have ever heard that Job is the oldest, potentially the oldest written book of scripture. And Job, who had lost his, his wife, his children, he was struggling with his own uh, mourning and grief and pain, and he himself was, was uh, just going through the thick of his own potential death, and he, his own words, say, this is some of the oldest stuff ever written in the, from the Bible. I know my Redeemer lives, and in my flesh I will see God. You see, Job, Job was seeing a resurrection. He was sensing that this is in, this is not the way it's supposed to go. There, I can see a resurrection, but what Job didn't know is what it was going to cost. But Job didn't know that it was going to cost God the death of his son and that Jesus would drink the cup of wrath for all of us. Good Friday was a bad, bad day. This is where the gospel is birthed. It's, this is where it, the gospel literally means good news, good Friday. This is when it starts. And see, at the death of Jesus on the cross, resurrection does begin. Uh, we didn't read it this morning, but if you read more of Matthew's account after the earthquake, uh, it, it shakes the ground and it says that graves were opened and people that had passed began to walk around proclaiming uh, Jesus' salvation. And Matthew doesn't, spend any time trying to identify who these people were. He was literally just wanting us to know at that moment that the cross, at that moment where Jesus dies, resurrection begins. That's what it was for. That's what he was doing. Graves are opened and he begins to turn our graves into gardens once again, right? We, if you ever thought about how we, here in this life, we, we decorate our graves with, with flowers, we're trying to make them gardens once again, but underneath it's, it's not real. But here when Jesus comes, resurrection comes, it really is going to happen. 
You see, our relationship with God has always moved in and out, and out of gardens, hasn't it? Our relationship with God has moved in and out of gardens. You think about the Garden of Eden, the first one, the paradise, the Garden of God, the place where God is and man is. And what did we do? We took our sin and we tried to burn that garden down. We burned it down and we got blocked. We got, we got blocked. Our access to paradise is now gone and we're left only try, to try to cover our own shame. And now death looms over us instead of God covering us. Our sin brought us mourning and grief and pain and worst, worst of all, well, this is the worst part, separation. Separation. Separation from God. And see, every human will experience this. When you stay separated from the source, when you stay separated from God the Father long enough, it will always lead the human heart eventually to say words very similar to what the Spirit of God said through Jesus on the cross my God, am I forgotten? You see, the Holy Spirit declared from the cross, we sang it in the first song, that he has not forgotten any of it. Not one tear that has ever been shed has been lost on him by him. He has them all. He has not forgotten us. Psalm 56, David wrote this, you have taken account of all of my miseries and put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? You see, every tear was with Jesus in the Garden of Sorrows. Literally, as he's praying to God, let this cup pass from me, because he saw what was in it. He knew what was in it, right? Let this cup pass from me. He saw not only my sin and my evil in that cup, he saw my tears, every one of them. And you guys know I've cried a lot of them. <laughs> but he saw my mourning, he saw my pain. He felt Derek's pain as he lost his dad. Or any of us, he saw it all, the mourning, the grief, the pain, it was all in the cup. All of my sin, all of my evil, all of my pain, all of my struggles was in that cup. And he didn't just see mine, he saw yours. He saw all of us in that cup, the wrath of God, the punishment for the sin that, that I deserve. But he took the cup and he took the cross. He took the will of the Father and he laid down his life. Why? Why did he do it to destroy the separation and unite us once again with God the Father, to bring us back into the garden where God is, where God is with man. And the veil, there's no more veil in front of the faces and they can see each other and be together again. This is what Jesus did. And there's no one like Jesus. There's no one that could have done this. in and out of gardens. I found, I found it to be interesting that after Jesus is risen and Mary is one of the first people to make it to the tomb, she mistakes him as a gardener. She's crying and he said, what's wrong? And she, she looked up and said, he's gone. And, and she thought he was the gardener. In and out of gardens. From Eden to the garden of sorrows, Gethsemane to the Garden of Zion. Zion literally just in, in broken down into Hebrew, the word literally just means the dwelling place of God. What does the cross 
do? What did Jesus do? He, he tore the, the veil. He gives us a path back to, to him, to God, even when we're grieving. And it looks like this, Isaiah 61, three, this is a very famous passage, but I want you to see the, the spaces and the places in these words. And provide for those who grieve in Zion, the dwelling place of God, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of the spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness. There's some good trees in the garden of God, some oaks a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor and his glory. For his glory, for his, for his splendor, Jesus, there's no one like Jesus. No one could be like Jesus. No one could do what he did for you and for me. And I say this morning as we reflect on the fact that he took our sin, that he held onto those tears and he was willing to die, that we put on in the next few minutes the garment of praise. We put it on, we put on the garment of praise, the garment of worship, and we take our eyes off of everything else that we're dealing with in this life, and we just look to him and worship him because he deserves it. It's worship him because he took the cup, he took the cross to bring us back into the dwelling place of God, back into his presence. Will you stand with me? So I want to pray for uh, my friend and then ask God to just settle our hearts uh, as we worship him. But I, I want you to really take this moment. This is a, this is a worshipful service today. We, we intended it to be full of the scriptures of Jesus's journey, and we want to spend a, an extra time worshiping, worshiping Jesus because he deserves it. But I just, I want to pray for my, my friend and, and then uh, let's move into that space with me. So bow your heads. Father God, we worship you and we honor you, God. And we love you, Jesus. There's no one like you. There's no one who can do what you did. God, I pray that you open our hearts and let us see with your eyes this morning, God. May we worship you with all of our hearts and all of our souls and all of our strengths, God. And Lord, I just, I lift up Derek to you. God, and I just prayed it before the service and I just know that his heart is broken. God, Scripture says that God is close to the brokenhearted, and I just pray that you'd be close to him now, Jesus, to his mom, his brother, his, his wife, his children. God, it says that you save those that are crushed, and I know that it can feel like the journey of mourning is a crushing. God, I pray that you just save them and that you give them peace, that you give Beth peace. God, but above all else, Father, I pray that you would be glorified and lift it up in Jesus' name.